All right, guys. In my hand here, it's kind of a fun thing. We do outreaches on the promenade, but we haven't done them for a while because the city kind of shut us down. But we finally got back. I said that a couple of weeks ago about this, and we're going to go out this week. It says, I reviewed your inquiry based on your representation that you are a member of a religious organization. You are not engaged in a commercial activity, and the subject filming is being undertaken only through the handheld defin- high-definition camcorder. You are not required to obtain a fill permit before members of your religious organization perform an outreach on the promenade, which includes filming while participants and discussing dreams. This is a good thing. This is like, um, it's like protocol. It's like, it's like getting permission to minister in a particular area. This gives us an extra level of authority here. So I just wanted to read that to you that I don't know any of the other church that's got permission to go out there and do it. They can do it because of freedom of religion, but permission to go out there and minister is, is something even, even more. So we'll be doing that t- today after church today. We're going to go out for lunch, and then we're going to do some dreams out there. That is, where is my cameraman? Uh-oh. I thought he was. Oh, he's here. Okay. So I need him to be here to do that. And we're doing the AFM, and so I'm asking you guys, anybody's interested in participating in AFM, to contact uh, me sometime today or sometime soon. Because the American Film Festival is a very, very big Festival. It's the largest in the world. There's about 8,000 people come from all 70 different countries to buy the movies that they're going to play in their country. It's where our values and, unfortunately, very often defilement is sent through the whole world. And so it's a real gate to the world. And so we're going to be ministering during it, before it, and after it, dealing with where eyes will be open. It's kind of a strange thing that, that I never got for a long time. But I noticed it at the last time we did it. People came up and said later, we didn't know you were even here. We didn't know where to find family films. We didn't know where to find uh, uh, G and PG movies. Even though they're the largest money-making movies out there, they make far more than R-rated movies. They don't do them. Why? It's because we have an enemy, and it's because he's blind people. So they were able to see them and the company, the film company was able to give business. And we hope even more, not only for their company, but for other ones. Last week we had Linda Prince, and that was really fun. Uh, she shared a couple dreams, and I got to confirm what the dreams meant. She shared them with me before she shared them up here. But she chickened out on sharing the second one, so I'm going to finish the second dream for her. If you remember, the first dream... She basically was going somewhere and, and, and just having a good time, and God sent her back to the church. Sent her back to the church to take off the blinders off the eyes and to wake the church up. And uh, I don't, I'm sure she must have knew what that meant, but it was very, very clear that it was sent back to do that. And it was the, the, the church is the big C church, the church across the world, because it's blind. And it took a lot of work to get her, this, this church out of bed and wake her up. And it took even greater work to clean her eyes up. Well, the second dream she had was uh, with a whole bunch of angels, and they had these big uh, containers, and they were filled with uh, shofars. You know, shofar is not my favorite instrument because nobody seems to know how to play them. <laughs> but they were filled with them, all kinds, decorated big ones, mid-sized ones, small ones. And 
the angels were going to hand them to her and she's going to hand them out to different people. Now, she told you that part of it. But what she didn't tell you, she was handed to this one particular person and the person didn't had already looked in there and saw, oh, I like that one and grabbed a small one. And she says, well, wait a minute. Uh, you aren't supposed to take that one. You aren't supposed to take that one because uh, the angels are going to get you one for you. And, and, and she says, but I love this one. It's small. It's comfortable. It's like the one I like to use. And so she talked to her some more. She says, and the angel hands out this huge one. And once again, no, I don't want that big one. There's a whole argument going back and forth. And those of you that know about dreams know that when you interact, that means it's about you. And so here's the thing. Linda Prince, you know, who has the 120 drums and world famous lady, is satisfied with ministering to the First Nations people. She's got the small horn. She's very satisfied with doing it and doesn't want to do the big one. And that's what her call is. So she, in that dream, had gotten a major promotion from just not just doing this, uh, the First Nations people, but to be able to do the whole church. So next time you see her, always encourage her, are you seeing the whole church, not just the First Nations people? She's one of the most anointed people I've ever met prophetically. But doing your own dream is always the hardest. And it wasn't really a dream, it was a visitation, i.e., the presence of God stayed in a room for three and a half days. Visitation, <laughs> not just a dream. Okay, uh, would you throw on the first slide? Oh, you do. Yeah. I'm just doing a quick review of Romans, and then God wants me to hit some things that we've talked about, but wants me to expand the area on it. And then, God willing, I'll get to chapter 9. I've been trying to do chapter 9 for about a, about a month now, but I haven't got there. So we started off, this is Romans, Faith in the Promise. It is faith in God's promise that Abraham believed against all hope and it was credited to him as righteousness. He received the sign of the covenant, took the action through faith, and became the father of many nations. It wasn't just one, many nations. It's not just the, uh, uh, the Israelite people. It wasn't just the Jews. It was many nations. And later on in, uh, in Romans, it's going to explain really who is the nation of Israel. And it's not just, it's not every single one of Abraham's descendants. It's the ones based upon a promise. We'll go into that second slide. Now, in Romans, it made a big point. The law was powerless to do because of man's sinful nature. That no matter how hard man tried to, you saw it in the Old Testament, you see it today. No matter how hard man tries, he cannot obey. He cannot fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. So God, through his son, paid the obligation of the law fully. And that's an important thing. So we now live without condemnation in Christ Jesus. Give me the next slide. So, is that the next one? Yeah. Okay. It also goes in there and really makes the point that the law was there for one reason, was to show us what sin was and we didn't have what it would take and that we needed something greater than what we have in ourselves to do that. Okay, now we have an obligation not to live by the sinful nature, rather the spirit of life. First Corinthians, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. 
i.e. be kingdom-minded. So, Romans develops this idea that we're not to live for ourselves anymore. We're live for the kingdom. And though we are, and though it is legal to do anything, it is not beneficial. And the obligation now moves from obeying a rule to obeying the Spirit of God. Now that is the change. That's the change in government. That's the change in the law. And it's the change in the priesthood that takes place. We must be kingdom-minded and be controlled not by sinful nature, but by the Spirit. Let me see what's the next one after that. Give me the next one. Discerning who's on the throne. And this is what God really wanted me to expand on a little bit. We went through a lot of time talking about Galatians 5, 19 through 26. And we said very clearly that this is the one that says that this is what the nature of the sinful nature is. And it lists a whole bunch of sins. And then the next scripture, this is the nature of the spirit-filled man. And that's the love, peace, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, all that. And we said that, that those outward activities were just a matter of the symptom of the sin. The sin was having control of your own life. The sin was you being in control of your own life. The sin was having the right to make your own decisions in life and go your own way. Genesis 3, which I know it's not up there right now, says that, uh, that the day you decide to make your own direction, the day you decide to touch the tree, you will surely die. So, the first one is that particular scripture. By what's the activity coming out of your life? Who's on the throne of your life? And again, it is the only purpose of that. It's not because we don't live by rules anymore. The only purpose is that you would know who's ruling your life. Now, there's some other things that come up. Offenses, accusations, anger, betrayal, taking things personally. These are other things. This week was a rather hard week for me. It was sucked up by several days of having to deal with different issues like this in my own life. And deciding whether I was going to get upset about them or not. Thinking, oh, I have the right. No, I don't have the right. Because that's the next thing I want you to look at. How we act and how we react to people is telling us what, again, who's on the throne in our life. Again, if God's on the throne, we have a certain thing. If we're on the throne, we have something else. We have advocated the throne in our life, the right to make our own decisions when we said yes to God. Didn't we? Didn't you? When you said yes to God, you said, I'm going to die, i.e. the baptism, death, and resurrection with Christ, and that's no longer Christ that, no longer that I that live, but rather Christ lives within me. That's the deal we made. That makes us dead. Now, when you advocate a throne or give it over, you give it over. And if you try to take it back, it's called treason. And that's kind of the act that we kind of often do. We kind of go between that place over and over again, taking it back. I don't know how many of you have really spent much time in, in, in praying, as what I taught about a few weeks back, with about not, oh, Father, forgive me for this sin, that sin, the other, but forgive me for being on your seat, on your throne, taking control of my life. 
But if you prayed that, I think you found out that it's very, very hard to keep off the throne in your life. Matter of fact, I would say it's near impossible. I've been fighting this thing quite a bit lately, and I find that I am so willing and so anxious and so often take control of my own life that I'm really amazed by it. When I used to look at the sins, because we don't like to look at them, we close things off and we really don't understand what's going on. But when you really begin to understand that the sinful actions that you do are only symptoms of what's going on, who's on the throne in your life, then you begin to really look on how much you give up and die to yourself and how willing you really are to allow God to flow through you. See, the purpose of this all is that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. That means that the king that rules in heaven rules in your heart on earth. Now, who rules in your heart is whose kingdom is around. If the kingdom is beyond earth as it is in heaven, the king has to be in your heart. If it isn't, you're going to have the kingdom of darkness ruling in your life and on earth, in which we go back and forth all the time on. But that's why we're spending so much time on Romans, enormous amount of time on Romans, because we have to really be free to find that when we see these things take place and we realize that we are ruling our life and we are not allowing the kingdom of God to be ruling on this earth as it is in heaven, that it's only a reminder. It's not condemnation. It's to show us only one thing. We missed, oh, forgive me, and focus back in on God. It's always forgive me and focus back on God. Forgive me and focus back on God. That's the end of it. Like the Sibby's uh, example, that lady took and hung on to somebody that I'm sure truly and completely and fully offended her. So I don't know what they did to that lady. They may have done horrible things to her. I used to teach parenting skills class. <laughs> That's funny. But I used to teach them. I used to teach them to abusive parents. Abusive parents. And I remember asking, because most of them had been abused themselves. And I asked them how they felt. Did they forgive them? Not one of them did. Every single one of them held on to the sin that was done to them. And when they held on to the sin that was done to them, they did the sin to others. See, it's not only earth is in heaven, it's just hell is on earth, too. You have the choice. You have the choice of being a gate to heaven or to hell, depending upon what you choose to have the Lord of your life. Now, that young lady finally let go of it. And I actually got the, the enjoyment of teaching the class I did. And I had a whole bunch of people in there because they were having a fit about me talking about the kingdom of God, which I had to stop. And I taught all unforgiveness was an absolute. And when we got done, every single one of them recognized that forgiveness was an absolute. And they got freedom. That group ended up being all Christians before the classes were over. Every single one of them. Without me mentioning the name of God once. Because the kingdom of God and his principles and his ways are powerful. And they're able to change things. But what very often happens with us and you've heard me say it many, many times ago. What you focus on, you empower. So the enemy is wise as he is, because he is very smart. Crafty, most crafty of all animals on the earth. Remember Genesis? 
causes us to focus on our mistakes or sins. And as he causes us to focus on those things, he empowers those things instead of empowering the kingdom. That's why God put Romans, Galatians, uh, most of the Bible, to make the point, the understanding, that you're forgiven. The cost has been paid. You can't pay any of it yourself. That it's a free gift, and at the very moment you take it as a work, you perish. At the very often you think, I'm doing good, you fail. But you realize, help God, I need you help, that I can't do this. And you realize that God's forgiveness is absolute immediate. That's the only one thing, by the way, I have against the Catholics as, as, as their whole teaching. They're a great group of people, and I don't, I'm not picking on them for a second. But they teach you you've got to go through a Hail Marys and a whole bunch of things to get your forgiveness. Not so. It's immediate. Why? For the kingdom purposes. So you can operate. It's immediate so you can have forgiveness to be able to obey. But once you have this freedom and forgiveness, the obligation changes, as a slide before said, to serve God, not yourself. Well, there's only one way of serving God, and that's having him on the throne. You can't do it otherwise. Human effort, humanism, has some power, but it comes from the wrong source. And as such, brings death. That's why the scripture says, Away from me I never knew you, but in your name I cast out demons. In your name I did this, in your name I did that. Get away from me, I never knew you. Human effort. Doing good things. The tree was the same thing. The tree of knowledge of good and evil was good things that they looked at. So, we obviously don't want the wrong kingdom to be ruling in our life. That's obvious. But this is the reason why. Now, there's another reason. Death, as talked about in Genesis, and as talked about through the scriptures, is based on the idea of separation from God, with a later manifestation of physical death, which means eternally cut off from God. When you are cut off from God, how can you discern things? We are a prophetic church. We go out there and we take big risks and take people's dreams and sell them or, you know, tell them, tell them what they mean. Or we'll take and give them uh, uh, what's the good in your life. We'll call out the, the gifts in your life, what God's, you know, put in you, what the good things. And that's a, that's a powerful thing. But how can you hear God if you're dead to him? See, if we're to make it, and to make the right choices, which church we go to, who we're going to marry, uh, what job we're going to get, what city we're going to live in, all these major things that belong to God. Those decisions belong to him, not you, because you're dead, remember? Then you've got to be able to hear him, else you're going to hear the wrong thing. If you, are, if you do not allow the king to sit on that throne, then there's death. And the manifestation of that death is death in how you see what do we use for discernment? What are, what, what are the things? Basically the five... Uh, the word of God. Yeah, the word of God. But basically the five uh, 
senses, don't we? Eyes, ears, nose, taste, touch. With the Spirit, it doubles it. Because with the eyes, we can see things. But then we see things spiritually with our eyes. Then we hear words spiritually. And then we can sense things. Have you ever smelled demonic presence? You haven't? Well, I sure have. Have you ever smelt the presence of God? That's fine. Those things are open for us. And the touch of all this felt the presence of God come on us. Not everybody does because they shut those things off because they, they rule in their own life. But God wants him to be on the phone to those things are opened up. So that's the second reason. Now, that's also the next thing I want to talk about is how you flip the next slide. I don't know where I'm at here. I'm not used to using this. That's dying. Next slide. Oh, beware of false. This is Matthew 7, 15 through 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly there are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Our grapes, uh, our grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. The same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. Neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by the fruit. I picked on doing this because I really think that we have to extend to not only what, what's going on in our life, that we see who's on the throne in our life, because I think that's essential. We have to have God on our throne to have the sensitivity. Because the fruit that that scripture is talking about is the same fruit in Galatians 5. It's the character issues that come out from a person. Now, it says, can a, uh, a good tree bear a bad fruit? Yeah, well, I've seen it do it sometime. I'm not sure what about that. That's on, I don't know why it says that that way. And I've seen regular good trees have rotten fruit on it. Can't tell you why. But the idea, I believe, is, is the idea is generally the fruit of that tree is going to be good. And the fruit of the bad tree is going to be bad. Not that it won't be a bad one or so. Because we do. If we're connected to God, we're going to bear good fruit. If you have a prophetic guy come through or a pastor come through or going someplace and you see one thing, what they say, and you see absolutely, totally another thing spiritually, or if you're around them long enough, that's why a lot of pastors won't be around a lot of people because they don't want to see what's really underneath the covers. It's all bad. Well, then you know about the person. I think we've gone off blind, and I think I've missed not telling people how to discern because there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of people on TV. There's a lot of people who do different seminars and different uh, Holy Spirit hoedowns and stuff like that. And we don't know who they are. Well, God wants you to know who they are. And he wants you, it's not the fruit like if somebody gets healed. I've told you that before. I, I, I had a friend in, in uh, high school that her, she married a, a guy that wasn't even saved and did fake, fake stuff and people got healed. Really blew my mind. Well, it does, because God's word, very often, he'll just honor it and bring healing to people. So it's not that type of fruit. And, in, and, and, and in, when Moses went in front of a Pharaoh, threw down the same, did a snake, so did the enemy, so did the magicians, did the same manifestation. So it's not that. That's not how you tell. It's the fruit of their life. So the stuff I've been talking about, 
A, that you're free because you're no longer under the law, because you're under the blood of Christ, and no longer subject to the law anymore, gives you freedom, and that as soon as you ask for forgiveness, you're forgiven, and there's no condemnation. Once you get that, and then you figure out, by Galatians 5, who's on the throne, or by how you react to bad situations, driving down the road's my worst one, you know, then I can see who's on the throne. I had a good testing of that last week. I got a parking ticket. Boy, did I deserve it. I decided because it's been at a place I've been at many, many times, and they've decided that they wanted to put in, uh, they wanted to put in this uh, parking thing so they can charge you for it. I, eh, I don't need to pay it. Yeah, I do. I didn't like the authority of that. I rejected the authority of that, and God made sure I got a ticket for it, too. Then I figured out how to get out of the ticket because the ticket was wrote, wrote incorrectly. And so I wrote him a nice little deal to get out of it, and I probably will get out of it, but I won't because I'm going to send him a check on Monday. God says, no, you pay this sucker. <laughs> you submit to this authority, whether you like this authority or not, and you do it. Don't like that. Wrong person on the throne. So, since my sins are fully in front of you, <laughs> but that's the way it is. You know, we are. We're supposed to be dead. The king of kings has taken the seat. You do not belong in it. You have no right to it. That's why in another scripture it goes through this whole deal that, you know, how can somebody that's been, been uh, once saved and, you know, and, and, and taste the goodness of God and rejected it be saved again? Because it's that point. Okay. Should we chance going to the next scripture? I'll just give you the entrance to nine because I'm feeling bad that we've never gotten there. Uh, okay. Click the next slide. Flip the switch on. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience, conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I wish, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption as sons. Theirs the divine glory, they, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all forever. Amen. Okay, what does that say, guys? What hits you about that? Huh? What? Well, they did. But they did. They did have that was first given to them. They got the law given to them. Uh, the first Christians were Jews. Yeah, but, but the first ones of salvation were Jews. They were, they were all Jews. You know, it's opened up to through Paul to the rest of us. Hmm? Yeah, that, that's a very, very good point. Not the nation that you're seeing. That we think a nation, we think of every single buddy. But God, does God think that way? Does God think of the whole group? How many of you guys have spent any time like in early Gen- Genesis and Leviticus at all? What did you notice in there? You ever, you ever listen to genealogies? What did you see about the genealogies? 
Spoken like a true woman. Well, that's one of the things. Except Mary was a woman. <laughs> one of the interesting things to me was the names. I mean, if you look up what the actual name means, the meaning is, you know, they had more names like that meant things to them. So, uh, like the genealogy of uh, And that's kind of where I was was going with, too. The names do have meanings. And if you haven't had children, if you have children, do name them a good name. Because it often defines who they become. It really does. Yeah, uh, yeah, there's there's the truth. Pray and have God name them. But if you'll notice in that particular series, what you'll saw is they'll say, Adam, you know, had this son. And he had many other sons. And then this guy had this. And you'll see a seed going through. Not the whole family line. There was a seed that went through. And so that's the first thing we're seeing with this. This, They're going to really come to the idea that it's about a seed. It's not all of Israel. He wished it was all of Israel. He's saying, oh my gosh, I wish it all. Myself, I'd give myself up because all these people, they've had this opportunity. It's the call on their life. And he was a Jew of Jews. He really was. But but, But it was not all. There's a remnant is going to be developed next. How, how you guys want to end it here and pick up next week, or do you want to break up in small groups right now and discuss a couple of scriptures? Where are you guys at? You in a hurry? If it isn't, I'll go longer. So you're going to have to speak up if you want it shorter. I don't care. It doesn't offend me. How much can you hear? How much can you learn? How far can you go? You know, this is what we're about. We want to see how far we can go. We want to become who God called us to be. So you want to end it now and pick it up next week? Yeah, yeah. Okay, there is. Huh? Okay, we got outreach. So you guys get serious with next week. Since I started it, now I have to complete it. Chapter nine. So we will be reading Romans chapter nine. So when you guys walk in here next week, don't walk in. Oh, where are we at? No, we're Romans chapter nine. So read it and see what God says to you. So. Because we're going to break up small groups next week, and we'll do some groups, groups of five or six, and you won't have to speak. We'll, we'll set up somebody in yours as a spokesman, spokesman to speak for you. And you guys are going to discuss the different scriptures. You're going to come up, like we've often done, with what that scripture says. And I'm doing it because I want you guys to own it. Uh-huh. There's this reminding me of the scripture, maybe you know it, it says, uh, Cursed is the one who... Hangs on the tree that to paint the picture that Christ actually became the curse. Yeah, that is. With that tree in my mind, is that I Paul, in a certain way, was emulating Christ. He was sort of being a model of Christ and saying that he would be a curse from Christ for the sake of my brothers, as Christ was cursed. That's good. Never thought of that before. That's good. Not very much. We have to look at that more. That's very good. And that's the fun stuff we can expect with next week, because you guys are going to see things I don't see, just like I see things you don't see. And, and God will anoint you to have the word to bring forward. And really, that's what I want. I want us to get the saying all together and understand it together. All right? So, Father.
your blessing on your people, your word be in them. And Father, I ask that those those who have uh, been in that place of uh, discouragement, anger, unforgiveness, uh, different things like that, to want to get free, that you would put it on their heart to come up here. And, and Father, I ask for your presence to bring healing and restoration and freedom to their lives. Father, we trust in you and what you do. We ask for your blessing. Amen.